Father, I thank you for this opportunity to gather around your word. And I ask that you do bring illumination to it, that you would uh, speak to each of us. Lord, I know we're all in different places, different stages, different seasons of life. And I ask that this morning as we take the time uh, to gather around your word and to listen to you, that you would deposit something in each of our hearts, each of our spirits, our minds, something that would be really good for us and something that would ultimately bring glory to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So I've got a question. You ready? What came first, chicken or the egg? Well, the chicken did at my place. Another question. What came first, the fruit or the vine? You sound so confident. You might be wrong. You can't prove it. None of you were there. True. Anyway, if I say the word to you, fruit, what comes to mind? It's a step up from KFC, Owen. Fruit salad. He's moving. He's moving. It's getting older. If I say the word fruit, what comes to your mind? I get like apples, bananas, passion fruit, love passion fruit. Fijoas, there is nothing like. You know, we lived in the South Island for so long, you've got to pay a fortune for the jolly things down there. They're rare. Up here, they're like weeds. It's awesome. Fijoas, mangoes, Pastor Ray saying pawpaw, strawberries, peaches, boysenberries, Apricot. I have a soft spot for apricots, tomatoes. Someone's trying to be controversial, but that's all right. There's always one. Fruit. Fruit. Grapes. 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 So the question is this. Is the fruit that John is writing about in John 15, the fruit that we've just been talking about? Are you sure? What makes you so sure? That was the look I've been practicing. I've got it from Jan enough. I know what it looks like. Are you sure it's not that kind of fruit? You're right. It's not that kind of fruit. But we're going to look at John 15, and we're going to look at John. I'll read you the whole passage again because I really want this passage to get in our, our spirits. It's a fantastic passage. It's, it's, um, it's full of content. And... Um, we're going to look at this, this question about the fruit today. What is, what is the fruit that John is talking about? So here we go, John 15, from verse 1 to about 17. I am reading it from the Passion Translation just because I like it. It says, I am a true sprouting vine, and the farmer who tends the vine is my father. He cares for the branches connected to me by lifting and propping up the fruitless branches and pruning every fruitful branch to yield a greater harvest. The words I've spoken over you have already cleansed you. So you must remain in life union with me, for I remain in life union with you. For as a branch severed from the vine will no longer bear fruit, so your life will be fruitless unless you live your life intimately joined to me. I am the sprouting vine and you are my branches. As you live in union with me as your source, fruitfulness will stream from within you. But when you live separated from me, you're powerless. If a person is separated from me, he is discarded, 
such branches are gathered up and thrown into the fire to be burned. But if you live in life union with me, and in my words live powerfully, and my words live powerfully within you, then you can ask whatever you desire, and it will be done. When your lives bear abundant fruit, you demonstrate that you are my mature disciples who glorify my Father. I love each one of you with the same love that the Father loves me. You must continually let my love nourish your hearts. If you keep my commands, you will live in my love, just as I kept my Father's commands, for I am continually, continually nourished and empowered by His love. My purpose for telling you these things is so that the joy that I experience will fill your hearts with overflowing gladness. So this is my command. Love each other deeply as much as I've loved you. For the greatest love of all is a love that sacrifices all. And this great love is demonstrated when a person sacrifices his life for his friends. You show that you are my intimate friends when you obey all that I command you. I've never called you servants because a master doesn't confide in his servants and servants don't always understand what the master is doing. But I call you my most intimate friends for I reveal to you everything that I've heard from my Father. You didn't choose me, but I've chosen and commissioned you to go into the world to bear fruit. And your fruit will last, because whatever you ask of my Father, for my sake, he will give it to you. So this is my parting command. Love one another deeply. Typically, in this passage, if you talk about fruit, there'd be two ways that we would answer it, probably two ways that it would be taught. The first would be that the fruit that he's referring to is making other disciples. So Matthew, he commands us, go make disciples. So it would be obvious that that would be an answer. The fruit uh, we read here is making other disciples. Is it wrong? No, that's not the wrong answer. Is there more to that answer than that? Yes, I think there is. Secondly, uh, the way that would often be taught, or probably the first port of call would be that the fruit he's talking about is the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5.22, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. Is that the right answer? Yes, it probably is, but it's probably not the whole answer. Both end. Often scriptures both end. There's the obvious and there's more. And that's probably a case here. And in this case, I would suggest that there is more to what he's saying for us. So when we look at a passage of scripture, normally in trying to find the meaning, you, there's certain rules that you approach the, the passage with. The first would be that you look for the meaning within the passage itself. You go through the passage, you're asking the questions, Lord, probably the first thing you should do before you even look at it is pray. Pray for illumination. Holy Spirit, show me something out of this passage that you're trying to say. But then look at the meaning within the passage itself, or is it in the passage itself? From there, you look at the context of the book. From there, you look at the context of the New Testament in this case, and then of the whole Bible, asking, is this message consistent with what the Bible's saying? Then you also take into um, consideration the cultural complexities of the day, and you see if you can answer what it's saying. So we're asking the question this morning is, what 
is the fruit that we produce? What is the fruit that we produce? So if you start with the original language, the Greek word for fruit is karpos. Karpos. And it means fruit. That's what it means. It means fruit or it means crop or it means harvest. And in the context of this passage, it means deed or activity or produce of a person. In other words, when the scripture here is talking about fruit, it's actually talking about something tangible. It's talking about something you can see or feel or touch. It's not just a word out there, go and produce fruit, and it just kind of hangs out there. But it's actually, there's something tangible about it. There's something real about it. It's something that's produced, a deed, an activity, a produce of a person. In fact, the word fruit here is a synonym for the word result or results. So it's saying, abide in me and there will be results. Something will happen. Not just something out there in the nebulous, but but something real, something tangible, something you can hold on to. In other words, there are results from walking with Christ. There are results from abiding in Christ, from remaining in Christ. Now, if we take a quick snap peek at some scriptures, we'll start in the Old Testament quickly and just, just come through, you can see some of these real results. In Psalm 72 verse 3, in the context of a righteous life, it says, May the mountains yield prosperity for all, and may the hills be fruitful. Now, I understand there that Hebrew parallelism has been used, but what it's saying is, in the context of a, of a righteous life, is that a righteous life produces prosperity. It produces prosperity. Now, in a world where prosperity teaching has been bashed and slammed and come off with a bad rap, that is quite interesting because a righteous life doesn't guarantee you no problems, but a righteous life does produce prosperity. I even invite you to think of your world, maybe yourselves or someone else you know that's come into relationship with Christ and over a period of time their life has just lifted considerably because suddenly they are living by the principles of God and it causes a lift, it causes a rise. Isaiah 3.10 says, Tell the godly that all will be well for them. They will enjoy the rich reward they have earned, or more correctly the language, they will enjoy the fruit of their deeds. Isaiah 32.17 says, The, the fruit, of the righteousness, fruit of righteousness will be peace. The effect of righteousness will be quietness and confidence forever. In other words, a righteous life, living a righteous life, will produce fruit of peace, of quietness. It's tangible, isn't it? It's, it's touchable. Some would say peace is not that touchable, but believe me, it's the opposite to chaos. It's touchable. You know when you've got peace and when you haven't. It, it, it actually produces something as we live from this place of a righteous heart. So that's a couple of examples from the Old Testament. The New Testament, the word fruit's very familiar in there. But I need to stop here because otherwise you'll get me totally wrong. Fruit is not the goal. Fruit is not the goal. When John is writing the scripture, fruit is not the goal there. In fact, if you make fruit the goal, if you make 
and we'll unpack exactly what it looks like in a moment, but if you make fruit the goal, you're going to end up very, very disappointed. The goal is Christ. The goal is Christ. Christ is your life. Christ is my life. Your family's not your life. Your church is not your life. Your work is not your life. The situation is not your life. Christ is your life. And the point that John is making, which we don't want to miss, it's just helpful if we can understand the fruit, but the point that he's making is that Christ is our life, and when Christ is our life, fruit will flow. But you turn that thing upside down, and you've got trouble. You'll spend your whole life chasing things, fruit, and we'll stand in front of Jesus one day, and he'll go, yeah, I know you did all that stuff, but I didn't know you. That, that's, that's not a good day. Christ is your life. Why don't you say it? Christ is my life. Christ is my life. So, so important. So if Christ is my life, let's just jump for a moment. If I'm seeing a lack of fruit in my life, why is it? Lack of Christ. Lack of abiding. Lack of remaining, as the Scripture says. So if you're a pragmatist like me, immediately your eyes turn to the fruit. What do I need to better this? What do I need to do to improve this? But I've turned the wrong way. I've got to turn if he's here, which he's not, but don't panic. There's another story. I've got to turn his way to see an increase in fruit. Does that make sense? You're looking at me a bit like stunned mallets. This is a little bit deeper this morning than, than ripping screaming chainsaws, I know. But you'll be all right. You'll get there. You will get there. Let's read Luke chapter 3 from verse 7. This is John the Baptist. We're talking about John now. When the crowds came to John the Baptist, he said, You brood of snakes. He was a nice guy, wasn't he? Who warned you to flee God's coming wrath? Prove by the way you live or prove by your fruit that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. Don't just say to each other, we're safe, for we are descendants of Abraham. That means nothing. For I tell you, God can create children of Abraham from these very stones. Even now the axe of God's judgment is poised, ready to sever the roots of the trees. Yes, Every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down, thrown into the fire. That keeps cropping up. I try to soften that every time I read John 15 because it's only part of the story, but it keeps cropping up all the way through in different places that if we're not fruitful, we're in a bit of strife. The crowds asked, what should we do? John replied, if you have two shirts, give one to the poor. If you have food, share it with those who are hungry. Even corrupt tax collectors came to be baptized and asked, Teacher, what should we do? He replied, Collect no more taxes than the government requires. What should we do? asked some soldiers. John replied, Don't extort money or make false accusations and be content with your pay. So, according to John the Baptist, the tangible, the, the, the real, the fruit of a repentant heart is sharing our clothes and our food with the needy, being honest in our business and in our personal dealings, and being content with 
our pay. He, that, that's fruit, according to John the Baptist. So they are some of the fruit that is revealed of a changed or a repentant heart. In other words, when our heart is changed, our behavior changes. Now, I have the privilege of, you know, because of, of what I do, I have the privilege of seeing people at their best times and at their worst times. And I remind myself consistently when I am with people that the behavior that is exhibited in front of me is only ever a symptom of what is happening internally. It's the behavior of what is happening in front of me is only ever a symptom of what is happening internally. It saves you getting yourself into, into strife. Um, you know, you put me in some circumstances and I will behave badly. Why am I behaving? I might be terrified inside. It might be my response. I could be hurting. I could be broken inside. It's my response. I don't know. There's all different things. But it's good to remember that. So what John is saying here is actually when we live from a repentant heart, it, we change inside. When we change inside, our behavior changes. In other words, when the internal change takes place from encountering the risen Christ, fruit flows. That's what he's saying. Important to get hold of that. Matthew 7 uh, from verse 15 says this, Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep, but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit, that is, by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from, a thorn, from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down, thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. This is challenging, eh? This is incredibly... Shall we make a bit of a list of where we've mucked up this week? I'm happy to start, but I'm not going to show you. It's not going to be a very pretty week. I can think of a few times this week where I've responded poorly. I can think of a few times this week where I've done something and then I've gone, probably wasn't the right thing to do. Back up, too late, words are like toothpaste, once they're out of the tube, it's all over, you can't get it back in. Uh, it's just that we're on a journey, aren't we? We're on a journey. But we can tell the character of someone by their behaviour. So let's assume for a minute Let's assume that when Jesus speaks here in John, he's encapsulating all of Scripture up to this point, everything through the Old Testament, everything that uh, John the, the Baptist was saying. And in essence, what it's saying here in Matthew is that the fruit of a good life looks like this, loving God and loving people. Or the fruit of a connected life, not a good life, a connected life. Loving God and loving people. So good fruit would be any actions or qualities or characters that reveal God to the world and advance his purposes. That would be good fruit. Maybe you could describe that as wherever, whenever. Be like Jesus. Obviously, the opposite is bad fruit. 
It's the opposite. So now let's jump back to John 15 with that understanding. From verse 1, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. So can we assume that the fruit that we produce is that of a righteous life that is intimately connected with Christ? That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. So we've already seen that it looks something like loving God and loving people. Can I suggest to you that in the passage here, it spells out with a little bit more detail what the fruit looks like that John is describing. Hopefully it'll be helpful for you. So if you go to verse 16, it says, go produce lasting fruit. If you jump back to verse 8, it says, when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. There's got to be something happening between those two verses. This is what it says. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commands, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you'll be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I've told you everything the Father told me. Plain English, what's in between those two verses? Instructions. Instructions. So verse 9 tells us to remain in his love. Remain in his love. Verse 10, if you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I obey my Father. Verse 11, I've told you this so that you will overflow with joy. Verse 12, my command, love each other. Verses 13 and 14, greater love has no man than to lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you obey my command. Maybe we could summarize it a little bit like this. Nothing of true, eternal, lasting value happens without relationship with Jesus. Nothing. Not of eternal value. And that the fruit that flows through our lives is a result of intimate relationship and not effort. Not effort. But what does the fruit look like? He spells it out clearly. So let's just assume the first two things. It looks like seeing those in our world become disciples of Christ. That is part of what fruit looks like. Yes, tick. It looks like exhibiting the fruit of the Holy Spirit. love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Yes, it does. But there's more. It's about fruit that develops in us from this relationship of God, what's that look like? Well, according to John, it looks like this, a desire to remain in Jesus' love. That's a fruit. 
desire to remain in Jesus' love. I found the more I remain, the more I want to remain. I had some great conversations recently. I had one about the Bible. And, and the whole point that, you know, not many people fall in love with Scripture immediately. It's a hard read. It's a hard read. It's hard to understand sometimes. It's hard to just engage with. It's a spiritual thing. But the more time we spend in it, the more our love for it grows. And the more our desire for it, the more our need for the Scriptures grows. But it's a matter of discipline and pushing in there. Much the same with time, remain in me. So our revelation is that, that Christ is our life, which means remaining in him is a vital part of what we do. Christ is our If you can just leave remembering that today, Christ is your life. Christ, Christ is my life. It would be a good thing. Secondly, so that's number one, desire to remain in Jesus' love. According to John, another fruit of abiding or remaining in him is obedience to his commands. Obedience to his commands, which would say this. If you're struggling to be obedient to the commands of Christ, it's a connection issue. It makes sense, eh? It's a connection issue. It's an abiding issue is the root of it. The third fruit he talks about is joy. Obedience leads to an overflow of joy, which again would say if there's a lack of joy, it's a connection issue. Now, we all have seasons in life. Some seasons are pretty tough. And joy doesn't necessarily look like bouncing off the walls happy. Joy is something that undergirds everything. Happiness comes and goes. It was one of those weeks in our house. Someone crashed into Jan's car while it was parked. I wasn't happy, but it didn't rob my joy. Next day, or whenever it was, Jay, our youngest son, blew his knee out again. He just had eight months of him on crutches, and now here we go again. Not happy, but it's not going to rob my joy, and I pray it doesn't rob his joy. I can tell you he's not happy. But doesn't rub. circumstances come and go. Circumstances will affect our emotions. Circumstances, you know, I may not be happy, but my joy is another issue. My joy is actually rooted in Christ. Joy overflowing. It's something different. Love, next fruit. Loving each other as Jesus loves us. That's a fruit, the way we love each other. The way we care for one another. So that would be no love or love lacking is actually a connection issue. I find this quite challenging. It's actually a connection issue. God is love. God is love. He commands us to love one another. What about this one? Putting, because this is the last one, putting the needs of others, friends, before ourselves, even to the point of death. Only a connection with Jesus can empower us for that. I, I haven't met the person who finds that a natural thing. So I read this list. Desire to remain in Jesus' love, obedience to his command, joy, loving each other, loving each other, 
above ourselves, even to the point of death. And I'm the first one who's got my hand in the air saying, Jesus, help me. I think I'm coming up short on all of them. Help me. So I have a response. I can either go to work on the fruit now, fixing the fruit, or I can strengthen my connection. It's kind of like at home, the dryer's not working, for example. So you pull the dryer out, you play around, you fix the thing, and it still doesn't go. You spend hundreds fixing the thing, and it still doesn't go. And the whole time, it wasn't plugged in. You plug it in, it works. We're much the same. You plug us in, we work. Amazing. Incredible. Yet often, we pour all of our time into the energy into the fact that it's not working like it should, rather than the fact that my life is in Christ, and if I just get plugged in, remain in him, abide in him, the rest will flow over time. Maybe it looks like this. Maybe. Because I think it's more visible than we realize. If the fruit looks something like loving God and loving people, how do we outwork that? I think we outwork that by wherever, whenever, being like Jesus. And ultimately, the result of that, I pray, will be activating community transformation. So if we flip that on our head, activate church, our vision, mission, activating community transformation. How, how are we going to see that happen? Well, we could see that happen by wherever we are and whenever we're there. Let's be like Jesus. Okay, so how's that happen? What's that look like? It looks like loving God and loving people. Fantastic. How do I work on that? Remain in him. Connection. So maybe it's not as hard as we make it out to be. Maybe all of it comes back to this. My life, your life, is Christ. Not even in Christ, is Christ. It's in Christ too. But is Christ. And everything flows from there. You imagine living out of that, you walk into your workplace. You're not going to have to say anything. You imagine that walking into university or into school or into the club or whatever, your community. You're not going to have to say anything. They're going to ask the questions. What on earth has happened to you? Why are you like A, B, C? You took your shirt off. I hope, no, you had two shirts. You gave one of them <laughs> to the poor. <laughs> I just had a mental, I'm, I'm, I'm visual. It wasn't pretty. It's, it's um, got to find myself again now. <laughs> Wind it back in. You know what I mean. My life's in Christ. So I just want to leave you with two questions this morning to contemplate, to consider, and hopefully to encourage you. Number one, is your life displaying fruit? Is your life displaying the kind of fruit that John's talking about. Is your life displaying fruit? And then bouncing out of that, how is your connection with Jesus? How is your connection 
with Jesus. Because everything of eternal value is in Christ. Father, I bless your church in Jesus' name. Lord, you know I'm the first one with my hand up asking for help and saying I haven't arrived. But I ask that you would help us all just to move closer to you. That, Lord, that desire in each of us to remain in you would strengthen and then all the fruit would flow. Father, if there's any condemnation in the room, right now I command it to go in Jesus' name and I ask that there would come a conviction to spend time with you instead. And as we push into you, we'll grow. We'll be the people you've caused us, you'll cause us to be, the people that you've foreseen. We'll achieve all the stuff that you want us to achieve, but it won't be for the sake of achievement. It'll flow out of relationship with you. So Lord, I commend my brothers and my sisters to you. I ask that you would continue to be very active in each of our lives. In Jesus' name.